Hi everyone, as you may know, it is our mission to support and uplift Asian voices and stories in our community. And a huge part of this is normalizing conversations around mental health in Asian households. In episode 26 of The Potty, we had a super insightful convo with the delightful Asami, the founder behind Shapes and Sounds, which is the online destination and platform for Aussie Asian mental health and well-being. So the next step of our project is creating a club to foster a safe community for us Aussie Asians, which I swear... I've never ever seen this before so it's like totally sick that we'll finally get to have a dedicated space for people like you and me to come together and talk about all of the hard and good stuff. It'll feature webinars with experts, access to personalised programs catered for our unique Asian diaspora experience and also an opportunity to meet like-minded Australian Asians. So sign up for the full three-month trial from the end of April to July and not only will you get the first month absolutely free but also a cool shapes and sounds tote bag to go along with it for sure that sounds sick anyway if y'all interested be sure to check out justshapesandsounds.com so that's j-e-s-t shapesandsounds.com you can also find them on instagram as well at just shapes and sounds tiana and i will definitely be on the platform as well so we will see you guys there Thank you to Shapes and Sounds for being an absolute pioneer in the Asian mental health space. This is something that we've been craving and something that we definitely need. So we're super excited to see how it's going to turn out. Anyway, back onto the episode. Welcome to Unapologetically Asian, the place where we talk about navigating through adulthood as Asian Australians. Today you're joined by Tiana and Twee. Hello everybody, how are y'all? Good, good, good. I say that like you guys can um, say <laughs> hi back and that we can hear you guys, but um, we hope you are all very, very well. Today we are talking about kind of similar to the five love languages that we covered the week prior. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, we highly recommend it. Um, but this episode, we are going to be covering attachment theories. Yes, another relationship type type of thing we know you guys are interested in this sort of stuff so we thought we'd cover it and this is kind of like our take on attachment theories so let's start us off what exactly is attachment theory so this whole theory is about emotional bonds and how they play a role in the connection of different people and how the relationships and bonds between people in romantic relationships in particular are influenced or impacted by the way that we grew up and the way that we were raised by our caregivers so in the earlier stages of our childhood and so the theory is that the separation anxiety that you experience when you're growing up and you're you're separated from your parents, the way that that interaction plays out and the other interactions that are similar to that, that has an impact on how you are in relationships as you grow older and as an adult. This psychologist dude <laughs> named John Volvi, he was like, yo, I'm interested in why kids form attachment and get anxiety when they're separated from caregivers. And then he kind of found that this anxiety correlated with the way kids were motivated and how they behave. And yeah, this also developed with Ainsworth describing three major styles of attachment. So she said secure attachment, ambivalent and insecure attachment, Mm -hmm. and avoidant insecure attachment. 
And then later researchers Main and Solomon added a fourth attachment style called disorganized insecure attachment based on their own research. So all up, you can see that throughout time, a bunch of psychologists and researchers and really smart people were just really interested in the way that attachment was created from childhood and those types of relationships with your caregivers and parents um, and then how that pertains to how you actually behave in your future relationships. So now we are going to be moving on to an exciting part and that is actually painting the picture for you guys so to speak and explaining what each of these attachment styles are all about. Okay so you know Tiana before you mentioned a whole bunch of like what seems like really confusing different styles but yeah let's paint the picture what's what. First one we'll start off with is secure attachment. You take the mic, Tiana. Taking the mic as we speak, Tui. <laughs> um, so secure attachment is the most common style and it's what people aim for. But in saying that, if you do the quiz and you don't get secure attachment, don't be too alarmed because it's something that you can work towards. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the episode. The way that it looks like is you feel very self-content. You feel like you can be happy by yourself, but you're also very social and warm. You're easy to connect to and you are very aware of your emotions and your feelings and you're aware of how to express these emotions and feelings in a healthy and productive manner. So that's what it looks like for yourself as an individual. And then in relationships, you foster very secure, stable and healthy relationships. Those are the secure attachment style. As children had parents that showed them a lot of emotion and supported their emotions as well. Parents made you feel safe and secure and calm and soothed you when you felt distressed and then responded to your changing needs. So basically giving you a very stable upbringing and that really influenced how you perceive relationships as you got older. And the next one we will throw over to you now is dismissive avoidant attachment. Okay, yeah, so this one, what does it look like? So people with a dismissive avoidant attachment style, um, they tend to find it difficult to tolerate emotional intimacy. The reason why is because they really, really value like their independence and their freedom and like the more needy their partner is, the more distant they tend to become. And um, some people who have this sort of attachment style may prefer like fleeting casual relationships over long-term intimate ones which is quite interesting. Um, and I guess like the reason why um, or how this attachment style has formed was during their childhood, their parents were usually unavailable or even rejected them during their infancy. So that kind of forced the child to kind of distance themselves emotionally and try to, you know, make themselves happy, make themselves feel joy because they weren't given that emotional support from their caregivers. And the next one is ambivalent anxious, preoccupied attachment. Bit of a bit of a mouthful, that one. Mm -hmm. But um, Tiana, what is that one? Yeah, so before I delve into this, we just want to be straight up. Toy and I were a bit confused um, when we were researching, <laughs> when we were researching this topic because there was just so many interchangeable words, right, for each attachment style. So if you are confused, hopefully we're breaking it down for you. For an example, this mouthful of one, ambivalent slash anxious preoccupied attachment ambivalent and anxious preoccupied they basically mean the same thing in this instance 
but I think some tests just use the word ambivalent and some tests use the word anxious, preoccupied, just to keep things spicy, just to keep things interesting for you guys and keep you on your toes. (laughs) If like the simplified version is anxious attachment, that's it. (laughs) Literally. Um, So what this looks like is these people often tend to be needy. They tend to be anxious and they lack self-esteem. So they crave emotional intimacy and stability in relationships. The reason for this is because as children, they had a very inconsistent upbringing or parenting style from their caregivers or their parents. So this meant that it was kind of like hot and cold if you think of it like that. So Mm. sometimes parents would be very engaged and like really hot with them. (laughs) <laughs> getting hot with your parents not in a really you know <laughs> not literally not guys a <laughs> not a bad way let's keep a pg here <laughs> and then sometimes their parents would be unavailable or they would be distracted so as a child you're never having a stable relationship so because of this or because of these patterns that you endure you feel like all of these anxious emotions because you're not sure whether your partner's going to leave you or where they're going to be with you. So it's a hot and cold scenario. And because of that, you start to overthink things. So mm-hmm. that is the anxious, ambivalent attachment style. <laughs> <laughs> and Tui, you've got the last one locked and loaded. Tell me about that one. Yeah, and the last one is fearful avoidant attachment. It can also be known as anxious avoidant attachment and it can also be known as disorganized. So what is that? Um, With this particular attachment style, the person may feel like they don't deserve love. They might be insensitive towards their partners, be somewhat selfish, even controlling or, you know, untrusting. And they might even have kind of like a love-hate relationship with their partner. And the reason why they behave in this way is because when they're a kid, their caregivers might have been dealing with unresolved trauma and kind of push that onto their children. Mm -hmm. And usually it kind of stems from like intense amount of fear. Um, Yeah, so that can come from the child, you know, taking some of their parents' trauma, receiving some of their trauma, being neglected or even abused as a kid. So those sort of toxic behaviours also kind of bleed into their adulthood relationships as well, their lifestyles. So, yeah, that might be a reason why people behave in those certain ways. You know what? This is going to be a bit rando, but also relates to the topic that we're talking about. The first thing that popped into my mind as you were describing some of these attachment theories is how does relationships in Korean dramas relate to these attachment styles because don't you reckon like there's a very common theme like for an example boys before flowers okay mm. Lee Min Ho's character I'm pretty sure he has the fearful avoidant attachment because you know he just had a lot of trauma when he was growing up his <laughs> parents were neglectful um and he went through a lot and then he had this love-hate relationship with John D. Is it John D, the main character? Yeah, that's actually quite true. Yeah, like a lot of male Korean leads, they have that sort of, yeah, fearful avoidant attachment. And I feel like a lot of the female leads may have a um, like an anxious attachment style. Mm. Like they lack that self-esteem, might feel embarrassed about being too clingy. They might be needy. Yeah, it's kind of like they don't know whether the person's going to stay, whether they're going to go, and they get really jealous when, you know, oh other people roll gosh, around. Yes. Jealousy yeah, is like... such a big thing in Korean <laughs> dramas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when the second female lead comes along, she's like, 
the fuck's this? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, literally. Anyways, just a bit of a diversion, but you know, hopefully that does help <laughs> make these attachment theories a bit more tangible because I think as Twee and I are like just saying these random words to you, you might be like, what is this? But hopefully by connecting it to real life things or by helping mm. paint a picture, you guys can kind of really visualize what these attachment styles are and then start to make the connections with your own lives. But if you do want to go and do a test, there are quizzes online, which Twee and I have both done a couple, that really talk about what your attachment style is. And a lot of them kind of overlap and kind of ask the same type of questions, right? So one of the quizzes that we did was by Dr. Diane Pohl Heller. And she is a somatic attachment and trauma expert. So her test was quite good because it really broke down the attachment styles via pie chart. So it showed that it's not just black and white. As humans, Mm, we have different styles um, and different percentages. So in saying that, Twee, do you want to start off with what Mm -hmm. your attachment styles are for the Dr. Diane Poole Heller's attachment styles (laughs) quiz? Yeah, so in my pie chart, there are, well, in all of our pie charts, surely there were, there will be four different <laughs> you don't know with... <laughs> okay i got an again. extra slice of pie <laughs> you've you got like a fifth attachment stuff and it's apple pie <laughs> oh my god um okay so in my little pie chart well the biggest slice of the pie says that i am a ambivalent or anxious type mm, okay right but in saying that, it's 31%. And then followed by that, the second largest piece of the pie is um, the secure type. So that's 29%. Mm-hmm. And then followed by that is the avoidant or dismissive type. And that's 22%. And the last one is disorganized. And that's 16%. Mm. So, you know, they're not exactly even, mm-hmm. but it's a quite a, like a, I'm like one of everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't heavily skew towards one particular mm. style. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. That's like, got a bit of all the flavors, yeah. girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm all types of fucked up. <laughs> but Secure, uh, Secure took up a large chunk of that. That's so good. That's good to hear. We, we're um, here for that. We love that for you. Um, yeah, but I do kind of like I do agree with it. I mean, as I was doing the questions and even doing the research, I could kind of relate to the anxious types of attachment or even the avoidant types of attachment. Mm. So some of the questions they'll ask you, I'll give you guys an example. If It is difficult for me to be alone. If alone, I feel stressed, abandoned, hurt and or angry. And the options are rarely or never, sometimes or usually slash often. And then you kind of just choose whichever one on the scale that you agree or disagree with. Um, another example might be um, when I lose a relationship, at first I tend to experience separation elation and then become depressed. <laughs> All the tests ask on average like 30 questions each. So it's a large pool and like a lot of data that they can use to kind of determine, you know, which attachment style you're more, you lean more towards. But in saying that, though, we did like three tests. And for me personally, all of them were different. Like all of my results are different. <laughs> but honest, I think that's because, um, like, as I mentioned earlier, like my tests were like I 
like my results were very um like even mm. like i didn't skew towards anything mm-hmm. hence why there was that sort of um variety between the results in each of the tests but i'll be interested to know what your results were tiana like did you skew towards a certain type or whatnot what tell us a great segue twee it's like you've been <laughs> podcasting for years <laughs> So for the same test that Twee did, in terms of attachment styles, this is the breakdown. So my number one was secure, and this was at 71.4%. The next one was avoidant slash dismissive, and this was at 14.3%. Then it was ambivalent slash anxious, so this was 10.7%. And then the last one was disorganized at 3.6%. When I got the results, I wasn't super shocked about, I guess, the order. I was mm. a bit surprised about like the percentages allocated to each one. Like oh, yeah. I thought secure, I thought like, well, it's quite big, you know. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say that. I, just, I swear to God, Tiana, a lot of the shit that you say can be taken out of context I know, and I made know. into a meme. If someone like wants to oh be evil, they could go and shift through, sift oh, through all of our podcasts I and just know. chop, <laughs> cut some of your lines and pop. That'd be into funny marketing, bro. Um, oh my god. Okay, okay. So after doing research about these theories and having them hot in my head, and you know, kind of having an understanding of each one and how your childhood um, has impacted the way you are in relationships. I kind Mm. of reflected on my upbringing and how I've perceived relationships growing up and my relationships with people in my life growing up. And then it kind Mm. of made sense to have these answers as secure and avoidant dismissive as the top two. And this kind Mm. of has something to do, I guess, with our upbringing. It's so super important because Twee and I both grew up in Asian households, right? So we Mm. have had very unique experiences and that has definitely influenced or impacted the way that we are in relationships or how our attachment styles are. So my primary attachment style, it seems to be secure. And I would associate this a lot with the way that my parents were tentative to me when I was growing up. For an example, I have this strong memory of my mum and dad putting me to sleep. So I was, this was when like I was a youngin and I remember my mum telling me a story where my dad or my mum, they would take turns reading to me to sleep every night. And then there was this one time where my dad was like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll read to her, all good. So he went in and he read me a book And then my mum came in to see if I had been asleep and he was the one that was asleep and I was the one that was still (laughs) reading the book to myself. So I guess like (laughs) moments like that make me really appreciate how warm and loving my upbringing was and makes me feel very grateful for uh, my parents and the way that they were very tentative to me as I was growing up. The next one, however, was avoidant dismissive. And I honestly think that... This is because as I grew older, my relationships with my caregivers or my parents kind of shifted a bit. When you are an adult or when you become a teenager, you know, the angsty teen, you kind of have a different relationship with your with your parents because you're no longer this like this impressionable child. You kind of have your own personality and you are growing up with your own emotions and feelings and that type of thing. So I think as I grew older, the relationship kind of shifted a bit. I was exposed to males in my life who didn't necessarily communicate or vocalize their emotions. And this is a very 
common theme in Asian households, I think. Um, not across mm. all Asian households, but I think in general, people don't tend to show their emotions because it might be perceived as a weakness, right? So mm-hmm. the males in my household in particular internalize their feelings or emotions unless it was very extreme. So that means um, they have this mentality of they won't kind of show that they're annoyed or they're angry until they're at the tipping point. And because of that, I think in relationships as I kind of grew older, that kind of caused me to put up a wall when it comes to boys or relationships in general. I I kind of put up walls and barriers because I don't want to get hurt. And mm. in doing so, it means that I try not to fall so quickly or be as emotionally vulnerable very quickly. Um, and I guess this was because like my relationships with the males in my life Um, They were a bit more emotionally distant from me and so I kind of saw that as maybe a bit of a norm. And then also I wanted to be like very independent or I had this mentality of not wanting to rely on anyone. I guess it's a coping mechanism, right? Like you Mm -hmm. kind of want to put a shield on to be like, I don't want anyone to hurt me. So because I know what it's like to have those extreme emotions put onto me in the past. So I don't want that to happen to me again. So I guess like that's kind of what I experienced in relationships as I got older. That's kind of like, I guess, how I would relate my upbringing to some of the primary attachment styles that I got on the test. And what about you, Twee? Like, is there any patterns that you saw um, with the way that you grew up and how that has impacted your attachment style growing up? The biggest attachment style on my pie chart is uh, the ambivalent or anxious type attachment style which makes sense because growing up my parents worked a lot well especially my dad he would um, be working really long hours I'd hardly ever see him so like the times I do get to see him he would either be really tired or whatnot but then on the weekends when he has days off then he's like you know happy cheerful whatnot So I guess in terms of like how he treated me or how he was or behaved around the house would have depended on his mood that day. Same with my mum, like she was constantly busy taking care of the other kids in the house as well because I grew up in a family of four. So like how they treated me was like hot and cold on and off, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, Sense why I, I guess I might show like more anxious styles of attachment because I wasn't sure like like sometimes I get the love and then sometimes I wouldn't mm. because they're busy and whatnot so that makes sense another portion of my attachment style is avoidant or dismissive I quite relate to that because I see that happen a lot in my like most recent relationships where you know I have difficulty tolerating like emotional intimacy because mm. I really do value like my independence and freedom Growing up, I spent a lot of time alone and I learned how to kind of cope with my own feelings and then that sort of stuff. So I can understand why I have an avoidant attachment style as well. This episode is brought to you by Scoopy Milk Bar. Scoopy is a Melbourne-based dessert brand that currently specializes in deliciously refreshing Korean bingsu. It's our go-to dessert place that has plenty of good vibes and you know how much Twee and I love them good vibes and so many yummy flavors to choose from. So Tiana, tell me, what's your favorite flavor? Well Toy, I'm glad you asked. I do love myself some mango. It really hits the spot with a burst of mango pearls and milk mochi and gotta love pouring in the condensed milk on that mountain of scoopy goodness. And what about yourself Toy? Well my favorite has got to be taro. It's not too overly sweet and I reckon the toppings work super well together. Like you've got taro mochi, tapioca pearls and it's also topped with condensed milk too. 
But yeah, it's awesome how Scooby was founded by fellow Aussie Asians who wanted to spread their Asian heritage and upbringing through food. So we have a cheeky discount code for you guys. All you need to do is use UA15 at the checkout for 15% off in the month of April. That's right, 15% off their entire menu using the discount code UA15. Thank you so much, Scoopy, for giving our listeners a lovely Scoopy discount. I guess the beauty of these different styles is that it's not set in stone. So there is a lot of fluidity in moving to another attachment style. And this involves personal development and involves growth. So I guess like depending on your attachment style, there are different ways that you can move into a secure attachment style because that's I guess ultimately an attachment style that we're kind of all striving for because of you know how healthy it is um, and how beneficial it is so for example like if you currently have a anxious or ambivalent attachment style then what you could focus on is communication right because Mm -hmm. if you're anxious you're constantly doubting yourself having a lot of thoughts in your head it might be hard to kind of communicate that to your partner so if you're able to do that clearly and you know explain to them what exactly you're thinking or feeling then that will help you kind of move towards a more secure attachment style and be more confident for those that tend to be more avoidant in nature so that's the avoidant dismissive i think the first step especially for any of these really is to just be aware of what your attachment style is because that can really help you become a better communicator and it can also help your partner understand you more and you understand your partner more if you understand their styles and the way they were brought up and because you have this self-awareness and you've become more hashtag woke then (laughs) you can do things like be aware of your interactions with your partner so for an example if you know that you are the type of person that usually has a wall up or you're the type of person that um, doesn't really like to engage in a lot of emotions because of it's a coping mechanism with your partner maybe you can put down those walls and be more open to your partner's kind of like intimacy Mm. your partner's trying to be more intimate with you instead of like rejecting them and pushing them away just be like okay you know what even if it's going to make me feel like slightly uncomfortable I'll go along with it for now and kind of slowly break down your walls that way Mm. let them in we don't mean like completely like break down the wall and you know break by brick you know what I mean brick by brick do it slowly if need be but I guess yeah what you said before step one is being aware that you've got a wall put up in the first place and then step two is just being open to be more vulnerable Hmm. also I think it's important to note that like all of these will take time like it's not like overnight you knock down the walls and you're like oh shit I am a secure attachment Like it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take also a lot of patience with yourself. So don't punish yourself if you don't become a secure attachment overnight. And yeah, also (laughs) something important to note as well is that these tests and these quizzes, yes, there is science behind it um, and there's a lot of research behind it. But also at the end of the day, it's all about you, you know, like it's all about what you're comfortable with, what your experiences are, how honest you are with yourself and your own self-reflections. So don't do the test and think, oh my God, I'm definitely secure attachment. That's all good. I don't need to work on myself anymore. Because even though I got secure attachment as my primary, I still need to constantly work on myself to maintain that. Otherwise I might fall into <laughs> one of the other attachment styles over time. So just know mm. that like whatever results you get, 
you can still work to be better. Mm-hmm. I guess like even to people who do like, for example, yourself, Tiana, I'm sure you can agree. Although you have secure attachment as majority for you, mm. you know, for me, it's like a big part of my attachment style. It doesn't make you perfect or anything. Oh, for like, sure. You're still prone to fights, having fights and getting to arguments. Oh, sure and all that but I guess like by you know having that secure attachment style you're able to handle the situations more effectively Mm. and ultimately have a healthier relationship with people around you and your peers via like better communication and and all that but yeah it's just a different way of reacting to things for sure you know what attachment styles is not related to Harry Styles, but Harry Styles would be a great... (laughs) But Harry Styles would be a great recommendation any time of the day, I reckon. And on that note, let's move on to recommendation time. (laughs) This is the segment where we talk all about the movies, books, activities, and random shit that we have been loving. Twee, what recommendation do you have for the listeners this week? Okay, so my recommendation this week is a chocolate snack, which, mm. Tiana, you actually introduced this to me. Ooh. It's the um, Tortina Dark oh, Hazelnut yes. Chocolate Biscuit by a company called Loka. <laughs> I pronounce it as Loaka. Loaka. Uh, look, it I have no Loka. idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's an Italian brand, but um, it is like the fucking best thing I've ever had in my mm-hmm. entire life. It's so good. So it's like pretty much um, like a wafer biscuit with a creamy chocolate filling and also coated in dark hazelnut chocolate as well. But I don't know. It's, it just hits different. I feel like it's a very high quality. Mm. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're on sale at like Coles or Woolies for like $2 a packet otherwise they usually like four dollars or something but um yeah jump on that shit it's so good it's very addictive <laughs> i've almost finished the entire packet today and that's not that's not good there's like 20 biscuits in there and i <laughs> and so I delish though ate a lot <laughs> treat yourself it's monday you get monday artists <laughs> all righty anyway tiana what's your recommendation for this week so the recommendation that I have might seem a bit frivolous, but it's it's a fun one, and that is a whiteboard. So, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? You didn't? I bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> so, before you spit out your tea, <laughs> the other day, uh, I say the other day, but this was like a couple months ago, I went to Kmart um, with one of my girls, and um, yeah, it was it was so fun. I feel like Kmart like. Man, you could go in there and be like, I'm not buying anything. And you walk out with a gajillion different things. Anyways, I walked out with a whiteboard and I bought some really cute whiteboard markers, all different colors because I'm a color gal. And it's just been awesome. It's really been helping me keep organized because I had this moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I've got so much shit going on in so many different areas of my life. I want to like, keep organized because it was just feeling so overwhelming and I was just like Mm. how do I deal with this so I break down the whiteboard into three different sections one is unapologetically Asian things to do one is work things to do and the other one is like social so it's like a Monday to Sunday sketch and then um yeah I write shit on there and it's been helping me map out the cluttered office in my brain (laughs) Also, I just wanted to make a quick side note as well. I haven't spoken about this before, but guys, um, so I bought this planner, this really cute planner from Kmart, 
and it says, let's pencil that in. And I thought, whoa, that's, that's funny. That's, that's a cute little saying. And I was excited. I got home, I got my pens out and I was so excited to start filling out this journal, which sounds super nerdy, I know. Um, and then I realised that they dogged me. Because, <laughs> listen, listen to this. It is an 18-month diary and it bloody starts in July 2021. And I got this, I'm pretty sure I got this in March. And I'm like, this does not make sense. It's the financial year planner. <laughs> I know, but I, was, I got so dogged. I came home and I was like, darn you, Kmart. I am going to start a petition, a change.org petition. I'm going to start a hashtag, Kmart dog Tiana. Start it, guys. Trend it worldwide because this is a travesty. <laughs> I think you have to add a new section on your whiteboard for um, the few months missing in my diary. (laughs) Literally. I was just so, like, baffled. I was like, okay, fine. Um, Kmart, you win this time. I will return it. And then I never (laughs) returned it. So there goes $5. Look, Um, you can use it in July. You just have to wait a few months. Add that to your your, um, whiteboard. (laughs) Like a countdown date on when you can start using this damn diary. (laughs) (laughs) You know how, like, on Instagram, people have, like, countdowns on their Instagram? I'll just put countdown to when I can use it. Man, I don't know. what I'm so dumb. I didn't even check in. Like, I did check inside and it had weekly and monthly schedule, but I didn't properly check inside to see when the month started because I thought, logically, it will start in January 2021. <laughs> but anyways, guys, um, that wraps up the episode i hope you enjoyed our deep dive into attachment theories and that you found it interesting and that it encourages you to go out and look up your attachment theories if you liked what you listened to we would super appreciate it if you could stay subscribe follow us on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a rating and review on apple Podcasts. you can also find us on the social medias mainly instagram we're on there um, you can find us at unapologetically A-Z-N. Yes. And recently we announced our new website. Yay. Website, we're official now. So we are on the interwebs. If you wanted to check out our website, we've got everything related to Unapologetically Asian there. And the website is www.unapologeticallyasian.com.au. And that's all we got time for, folks. (laughs) Sending love and good vibes. Sending love and good vibes. Bye. Bye.